Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the podcast, we are continuing our series of fantasy football team previews. In this episode of the podcast, we are attacking the Cleveland Browns after doing the Cincinnati Bengals. Yesterday, as always, uh, I would like to remind you about our NFL 365 package on rotoexperts.com. For $39.99, you can get access to the best projections, rankings, and premium content that you'll be able to find on the internet, as well as our best ball tools for play draft and FFPC leagues. You also get our guide to zero RB drafting and our ultimate guide to winning play draft best ball leagues. I really do think that it is going to be a key for anyone who wants to be a profitable and successful fantasy football player in 2019. I I stand by everything put out in the package, and I find a lot of the tools and rankings and projections super helpful in my own play. You can also get 10% off of that package using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K. Now let's get into projecting out the Cleveland Browns starting at the quarterback position. They are of course led by Baker Mayfield who is backed up by Garrett Gilbert, Drew Stanton, and David Blau. Blau probably will not make the roster. Uh, I, I think it's a, like a little bit encouraging that the Browns did not feel a need to really have uh, a good backup quarterback. You know, Gilbert, long-term developmental guy. I believe he was in New Orleans for a while. Drew Stanton, not an NFL-capable starter. So let's talk about the good with Baker first. After Hugh Jackson was fired, he was one of the most efficient passers in the NFL. The the Browns went from being, you know, low 30s in offensive yards per play to being in the top five in offensive yards per play after Hugh Jackson was fired and after Freddie Kitchens took over the play calling. They also hired uh, Todd Munkin away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as their offensive coordinator. Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a league featuring a lot of really good quarterbacks were the third best passing offense in yards per play with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. They run a lot of air raid concepts. They're really not afraid to throw the ball down the field. So Baker had 27 touchdown passes in 13 starts, 14 interceptions. One of those touchdown passes did come in a game where he spelled Tyrod Taylor, who came out with a concussion. And in games that Baker started, the Browns, a not super talented roster, a not super well coached roster, went six and seven. So Already a version of the Browns from last year who had a really bad offense in the first eight weeks of the season, they already showed ability to improve, and those improvements coincided with two things. The first was Freddie Kitchens taking over the play calling. The second was the removal of Carlos Hyde from the offense and his replacement by Nick Chubb. Baker is being drafted really high in fantasy football, and I don't don't really agree with the ADP, and I'll tell you why. I think Baker is going to have a great throwing season. I think he will probably average close to eight yards per attempt. I think 30 touchdown passes is really, I think that's almost kind of his floor. I think he might even be better than that. 
But compared to some of the other quarterbacks, you know, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, the first is that Jameis and Cam are significantly cheaper. You can get those guys three or four rounds later than Baker Mayfield. And the reason why I throw out names like Cam and Kyler is that they are going to offer some rushing upside. Baker, in 13 starts last year, only had 39 rushing attempts, 3.4 yards per carry, 9 rushing yards per game. So while I think Baker is agile and he can move a little bit, he is obviously on the smaller side. That was one of the reasons that people were not super into him as a prospect. I don't think the Cleveland Browns are going to call a ton of designed runs, and I don't necessarily think of Baker as like a super plus scrambler either. I think it's probably more likely for Baker that he kind of settles into that 250 yard to 300 rushing yard per season. He's going to pick up, he'll pick up some first downs scrambling like in key situations. I certainly think that's in his realm of capabilities, but I don't think of him as a running quarterback. And we just know that quarterbacks that don't run at all really should not be drafted as premium assets unless they have, you know, 45 touchdown upside, which I guess Baker does. Like, I, I, I don't think his ADP is bad. He's just not a quarterback that I have found myself drafting very often. The one time I will make an exception for that is in draft best ball leagues where I start out taking Odell Beckham in the second round because I, I want that stack. So I will take Baker Mayfield in the eighth round uh, if he's there. He has an ADP of 81 on draft right now. So if Baker slips into that eighth round and I already have Odell Beckham, that is a stack that I will try and complete. And I think a lot of people who draft Baker Mayfield are going to be happy with his performance. He's going to have a lot of really great weeks aided by long touchdowns from Odell Beckham. Uh, He has some very secure wide receivers in Jarvis Landry. He has a really athletic tight end. He's got good pass-catching running backs with Duke Johnson. So overall... His ADP and the way that fantasy drafters are valuing him is appropriate. He just sort of fits in like that Matt Ryan range where he's really being drafted like someone. He's he's sort of being drafted at his ceiling, right? He's being drafted like a 4,600-yard, 41-touchdown uh, kind of quarterback. And while that certainly is in his range of outcomes, that's not his median range of outcomes. So, so our projections even like him, but it's just more a matter of him not being able to add that rushing element with his legs keeping him from being like a super late. And and don't get me wrong, maybe Baker is super late. I I think he's going to end up being one of the five best throwing quarterbacks in the NFL, and it could happen as soon as the season and you guys will come back and look at this and I will I'll just sound like a big idiot saying that Baker was not like a, a pure target of mine uh, throughout the course of the offseason. So that's how we are conceiving of the quarterback situation. None of these backups are like dynasty fantasy football relevant. You know, the offense is going to take a huge step back if Garrett Gill or Drew Stanton does have to play in these games. Heading to the running back room for the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb is the uncontested starter. Duke Johnson was maybe expected to hold out, but uh, training camps are actually getting started today. He is expected to report. Dontrell Hilliard has been playing as the spellback to Nick Chubb, playing on the first team when Nick Chubb is not in because Kareem Hunt is suspended and the Browns have a bye in week nine. So, Kareem Hunt is not going to be active, not going to be playing in the NFL game until week 10. So on Nick Chubb, 
I do like him in my rankings. I believe that I have him running back 10, and I think that there's upside beyond that. In nine starts, he had 192 rushing attempts, and he had 29 targets, only 1.3 receptions per game. But uh, looking at his game logs, once he be- once he became the starter, he did have games of three targets four times. He had a six-target game against Carolina, and he had three targets against Cincinnati and Baltimore as well. So we had one, two, three, four, five, six games of three or more targets. So that's like a respectable range. That's good enough to not be straight up like bad in PPR leagues, but it's not enough to put him in the David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey tier. I would say of all the running backs who are being drafted outside of the first round, who are likely to become first round picks next year, I think Chubb probably leads that category because it's so easy to project how he could improve. You know, Duke Johnson just becomes uh, a complimentary player. Maybe he does get traded. Maybe he just gets cut. Maybe the team just benches him. And all of a sudden, Chubb is a guy who's averaging, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 carries a game. And then he's also getting four or five targets a game. You know, maybe like, like so last year, uh, in terms of receptions per game, Jarvis Landry led the Browns with 5.1. And then David Njoku was second at 3.5. So what if Nick Chubb averages 3.5 receptions per game? You know, he gets 88 targets over the course of the season. Then he does probably become something a lot closer to a pure top-tier first five picks of the draft running back because this offense is going to be really good. We we have a lot of faith in Freddie Kitchens. We've already seen Todd Munkin do this with offenses that were not very good, right? Like the 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 skill in the backfield in Tampa Bay and the quarterback play in Tampa Bay, I don't actually think it's going to equal. I think Baker Mayfield is clearly better than Jameis Winston, clearly better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, and Kareem Hunt are clearly better than Peyton Barber, Jaquiz Rogers, and Ronald Jones were last year. So, And, and Odell Beckham is better than any player that was on the Buccaneers roster last year, even though we do like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So what are we doing with Kareem Hunt? I'll, I'll be honest, I, I just don't draft him at all. I don't take him. I I leave him for someone else, whether it be best ball, whether it be weekly management. In weekly management, I can pretty much guarantee that Kareem Hunt is going to be cut in your league at least once. Uh, Whoever drafts him is going to get sick of holding a guy who's not playing. Uh, They're going to see Nick Chubb playing really well, most likely. You know, maybe maybe if Nick Chubb gets hurt early on and Dontrell Hilliard has to play more, then Kareem Hunt wouldn't get dropped. But that's really about the only way Hunt wouldn't be dropped. Maybe there's some reason to take him in draft best balls, but not it is. His ADP just feels insane to me. Spending, uh, you know, a top 100, top 110 pick on a running back who is suspended, who's not even the clear starter when he returns, it just feels completely nonsensical to me. I, I'm, I'm just not really interested at all. Duke Johnson, I do draft him a little bit. I think that his role on this team is pretty secure, even though he's asked for a trade. I think lining him up for 50 receptions uh, with upside for more feels pretty appropriate, feels very likely. They don't really, if, if they're not going to trust Chubb in that role, then they are going to trust Duke Johnson in that role. And they've used him a little bit as a wide receiver, a little bit as a move player with another running back out there. So I think that that is, uh, I think that's the most likely scenario. I don't think Duke Johnson's going to be like a two-touch-a-game player. I think he does have a, a pretty real role on this offense. Dontrell Hilliard, I mentioned his name a couple times. He, he got some good 
reporting from OTAs. Uh, the, the Cleveland Browns beat reporters said that he was doing a pretty good job spelling in for Hunt, spelling in for Duke Johnson, who was not at OTAs, and uh, just overall... He's like a guy that I've picked up in some deeper dynasty leagues with like 30-man rosters. I think there's maybe enough of something there. Maybe Kareem Hunt gets traded because another team needs a running back. I think that's actually maybe kind of why John Dorsey signed him or just to get the compensatory pick after he leaves this year. So that's uh, that's just the, that's the running back room. Nick Chubb, I think he's appropriate at his ADP. I think he's pretty comparable to the running back that we talked about yesterday, Joe Mixon, but the Browns have the potential to be the better team. Moving to the wide receivers now, their starting wide receivers in 11 personnel are going to be Odell Beckham, Antonio Callaway, and Jarvis Landry. I don't know what really needs to be said about Jarvis Landry, he or about Odell Beckham. He is has a very good chance of finishing as the top wide receiver in fantasy football. He is an absolutely tremendous player. Uh, We have him projected close to the league lead in fantasy points per game. We think that his touchdown rate is going to ascend in this offense because the team is going to throw the ball down the field more. And this is the best quarterback play that Odell is ever going to have. And in only 12 games last year, He had 124 targets, so over 10 targets per game, over 1,000 yards in 12 games, and six touchdowns in an offense that was just straight up not good. He's never really been in a good offense, never had a good quarterback, never had a good play caller, and for the first time in his life, he's going to. I take Odell Beckham in the second round a lot. In fact, one of my ideal starts for any fantasy football draft is going Juju Smith-Schuster and Odell Beckham to start my draft. I just think those two provide such an insane ceiling and such a good floor that uh, I just don't see any way that that pairing fails as long as they are both healthy. You know, uh, Odell has just been a great player throughout the course of his career, has averaged way more yards per target than anyone else in his offense. Over over his career, Odell averages 8.8 yards per target, 10 yards per target as a rookie, 9.2, 8.1, 7.4 in 2017 when he played in only four games, 8.5 yards per target for the Giants last year, which uh, considering the context of that offense was pretty impressive. Uh, no one on that offense was more effective, really. I guess Evan Ingram averaged nine yards per target, but in only 11 games and in only 64 targets, averaging 8.5 yards per target over 100 targets with Eli Manning as your quarterback. Pretty impressive. Pretty pretty good stuff. And now we need to talk about Jarvis Landry, who is one of the most volume-dependent wide receivers that we have ever seen. So Landry's target totals in each season of his career, 112, 166, 131, 161, and 149. Last season was actually the least receptions of Jarvis Landry's career because it was his highest average depth of target of his career, but his yards per target was actually below his career average because his catch rate fell below 66% for the first time, uh, and it fell to 54% because he was asked to run different routes. He was asked to run further down the field, and he was asked to do things that he's not strictly capable of. You know, he is miscast as a wide receiver one in an elite offense, and that's okay. It doesn't make him a bad player. It just means that he's not a bona fide wide receiver one and now he has a bona fide wide receiver one to play with his college teammate Odell Beckham 
So where Jarvis Landry is going, I actually think he's way more interesting to talk about for fantasy than Odell Beckham is. I think Beckham is a pretty clear value where he's going. I think he's being drafted appropriately, and the people that draft him are going to be happy to have him. Landry, on the other hand, I I just don't think that he can be projected for the type of volume that has made him a fantasy football asset throughout the years. I think he's probably going to be a lot closer to 110 targets, 120 targets. And in order for him to pay off where he's going now, he's going to have to return to a similar catch rate to what he's had in the past. So he's going to need to be catching 66%, 67% of his targets. He's going to need to have some touchdown equity. He only scored four touchdowns last year, which was tied for second on the team with David Njoku and Rashard Higgins. And he's also going to need to get some targets down the field. Like he, He's not going to be able to just get four-yard passes down the field uh, a bunch of times per game. That's just that's probably just not going to work out for him. So I have, I guess the reason why I'm also not super bullish on Landry in terms of drafting him now is that I drafted him a bunch before the Odell Beckham trade in play draft best balls. The, the championship was not open yet, but I, I do have a decent amount of him in my draft best ball portfolio. So I don't feel the need to go crazy for him now. I think if you have him as your wide receiver three in a start three wide receiver league with the flex, I think you'll probably feel pretty good about that. But there's going to be some weeks where it's just three catches for 38 yards and and you're just going to have to live with that. Other wide receivers on the roster worth discussing. Antonio Callaway is like a sort of interesting deep sleeper because I do think this team will run a lot of 11 personnel. Uh, I think you have to project him for a, a decent amount of playing time, maybe not a decent amount of targets because David Njoku could just take over those targets, you know, kind of playing as the move tight end, playing out of the slot opposite of Antonio Callaway. Or Antonio Callaway will actually be the boundary receiver uh, on the other side of Odell Beckham. Callaway to me does seem like a guy who is going to have a couple great spiked weeks where he catches deep touchdowns, but I think his week-to-week role is probably going to be difficult to project. Some other guys that they have on the roster, Derek Willies, Damian Ratley, and Rashard Higgins, Jalen Strong. Maybe some interest in Higgins in like deep dynasty formats because I did kind of like him as a prospect coming out of Colorado State. I thought that I thought he was a sort of interesting player. He actually did lead the team in receiving touchdowns last year, if you can believe it. And an injury to Beckham, Callaway, or Landry, I think would probably thrust him into the starting lineup instead of Ratley or Jalen Strong. So probably worth an add in like 30 man or deeper leagues because the fourth wide receiver on a good offense is someone who is worth an own in those kinds of leagues. Moving to the tight end position, our last position to discuss, their tight end room is David Njoku, Demetrius Harris, and Seth DeValve. Uh, DeValve was someone who got some pub early in his career because he's super athletic, but he had only seven targets and one touchdown last season. David Njoku finished second on the team in targets last year with 88, played in all 16 games, but 88 targets was like a little bit of a disappointment for him. I think a lot of people were projecting uh, a step up for him in volume, and uh, I mean, he got like a little bit, 
But looking at his game logs, uh, he had several games with like three or fewer targets. He did have 10 target and 12 target games in week five and six. But then when Freddie Kitchens took over, uh, he had a one target game. He had a four target game. He had a three target game. So Njoku, really, I guess his value this year is going to come from, does he take a little bit of a step up in volume and does he take a step up as a red zone weapon? I think like a, a 100 target, seven touchdown season is not out of reach for Njoku, but that certainly would be, I think, the upper end of his range of outcomes. And the tight end position is a lot about touchdown scoring. He didn't really offer that touchdown scoring in a meaningful way last year, but it's possible that Baker Mayfield uh, just, you know, it's possible that he just throws 45 touchdown passes this year. And if he throws a crap ton of touchdown passes, David Njoku is going to be an obvious beneficiary. So Njoku's ADP feels a little rich to me. Like, I think you could be fine waiting on, like, Austin Hooper, Jack Doyle, Greg Olson. But if David Njoku is your only tight end, you probably don't have to draft another one. I think he's an interesting stack. Uh, I think he's it's sort of contrarian to stack uh, Baker Mayfield with David Njoku in the draft best ball championship because I think a lot of people probably are either stacking him with Landry or with Beckham and it seems to me like Njoku is not like sharps don't seem super into him he seems more like a, like a casuals kind of play but I, I don't know super athletic tight ends in ascending offenses generally are good targets the backup tight ends I, I do have Demetrius Harris on my roster in a 30 man uh, super flex uh, dynasty best ball league I think he's like sort of interesting he had he had a minimal role with the Chiefs last season I think he'll probably play a very similar role in the offense this year so that is going to do it for our Cleveland Browns fantasy football team preview please make sure to check out rotoexperts.com our NFL 365 package is continuing to churn out content every single day we have the best projections rankings premium content best ball tools uh, our guide to zero RB drafting our guide to winning play draft best ball leagues. I, I don't really think that it is going to get much better than that for $39.99, and you can get 10% off of that package using the promo code MATIC.